Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. I, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this story. The greatest story ever told? I don't know. I don't want to make biblical references to that movie, uh, but it is, Guy says, yes, it's, let's say the greatest story ever told about the left eating itself alive. I'm going to start the show today with the story at the intercept, where if there was ever a you're not wasting your time here moment, this is it. I've warned you forever about the left, how it will, it can't survive this way because they will eat themselves alive. This story nails it. Mandatory reading, please, on a Friday. Got that. And why I'm optimistic about our economic future and cultural future coming up. It's a Friday. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, it's Friday, so let's go. It's Friday! <laughs> you know, uh, dude, the weirdest thing, man, yeah. uh, everyone, my my wife, Gee, Justin, everybody showed up this morning. We all said the same thing. Gosh, this week went by fast. And I get it, yes. folks. Like, time is a stable asset. But doesn't it? I don't know what it is, Make me. Maybe Einstein was right. Maybe time is totally relative. Maybe time did speed up or something. I have no idea. But it does feel, I don't know if it's the summer or what, like, it feels like it was Monday a day ago. I was going to say, and those, I don't know what that is. Uh, exact you know, same words. I, it feels like it was just right. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Like we did. I think it's the summer. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. It's been a great week. Thanks for yeah. all the listenership. It's you know in the summer it's hard. Thanks for keeping us at the top of the charts by subscribing to the show. It means a lot to me. All right, getting right to the show. This is going to be a relatively optimistic open. There's going to be some bad news sprinkled in, but there's going to be a good ending. You know. So just hang with me. Why I'm optimistic about our future, both economically and culturally. There's a better tomorrow coming. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And it's not me just throwing that out there. I am sure we have hit. We are moving up. The bottom has been hit. And the 2022 elections coming up in November are going to be a massive turning point. Folks, I am sure of it. I'm not in the predictions game. I don't know the future any better than the other guy, but I can put together the signs. Remember the show we did about reading the signs? We're pretty darn good at it here. We've been right an overwhelming majority of the time about stuff. Here's what I mean. One of the things I've been telling you since Joe and I have been recording this show in my Severna Park basement eight years ago, whatever, maybe more, who the hell knows anymore, is that the left, their relentless focus on canceling people and identity politics is cannibalistic. It will, by its nature, eat itself alive. Therefore, we have to wait it out. We have to be patient. It may take decades. It's not going to happen overnight. But I'm telling you, we're at the point now where there's just going to be a few more years of this. I don't know, maybe a decade. I know it sounds like a long time, but I don't want you to think you're going to have to deal with this forever. The movement will eat itself. The left's focus on increasingly fragmented identity politics, I'll get to what I mean in a second, in search of new victims will cause them to turn to cannibalism. When I say increasingly fragmented, First, it was about race. Then it was about race and, and sexual orientation. 
Then it was about race, sexual orientation, about gender. And then it was about race, sexual orientation, and gender, and if you're indigenous or not. And then it was about race, sexual orientation, gender, religion, indigenous. It was LGBTQ1 plus 2A. Even Biden could get it right the other day. Man, I should have pulled up. Where he's like, LGBTQR. A, B, C, D. He didn't even know. <laughs> they keep fragmenting people into yeah. smaller and smaller groups. Why? The why matters. Why, why, why? It's easy to talk about it. Other shows stop here. We go further. I'm proud of that. Why do they keep doing this? Keep inventing it. Now it's Pacific Islanders too. Pacific Islanders, you're separate too. Because the left can't ever run on their agenda. They can't. It is no more complicated than that. The idea that you're going to run for office and win telling people, give us your money, your kids should go to a crap school and you have no choice, and give us your health care, is never going to win among sane people, ever. You understand that? Ever. So how does the left win elections? Because they do. They win a lot. The left wins elections because they tell you the other guy's dangerous. Those Republicans are coming after you. And in order to say they're coming after you, they need to put you in a category that they're coming after. If you're black, oh, they definitely hate you. Hispanic, immigrant, Pacific Islander, LGBTQ, 1A plus 2, ABCD, EFG. They're coming after you too. They have to create more and more categories to say the right's coming after you and we will protect you against them both for us even though we suck. Got it? Makes sense? The problem is, as you fragment people into more and more granular groups, their interests are not the same. An example I give all the time is minority Asian voters in the United States and minority black voters. If you push an agenda that says, I want more black, Hispanic, or whatever students in these great schools, public schools in New York, but then at the cost of Asian American kids and Asian voters whose kids get kicked out of those spots, their interests aren't the same. You start eventually eating yourself alive. And the other problem here too, is if you're going to cancel people, conservatives have given you the double-barreled, family-friendly middle finger and have said, we're not listening to you anymore. So if you've got to cancel people, they need people to cancel. They, and conservatives don't listen, they start canceling themselves. So it creates this thing where the groups you created start battling each other. And second, they try to start canceling each other. This Intercept article is the must-read article of the year. Everybody on the right's picking up on it. This is exhibit A and how the left will eat itself alive as they start to cancel each other because conservatives don't listen anymore. It's called Elephant in the Zoom by Ryan Grimm. It says meltdowns have brought progressive advocacy groups to a standstill at a critical moment in world history. This, Gee, you read it, right? Is this article not a beaut? The legend, it calls it legend. You know, Gee, man, a very few words. Legendary piece. It is in the newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter. The headline tells it all. These leftist groups, these pro-abortion groups, social justice groups, they're doing nothing. They're at a total standstill. They have paralyzed themselves because they're too, too busy canceling each other in the organization. <laughs> Joe. Joe. As my grandma said, Grandma Eileen, just like I says. That's right. Just like I says here. We've only been saying this for eight years. They will eat themselves alive. Celebrate every minute of this. Here, from the intercept piece, and this is going to get worse, believe me. This is going to get far worse for the left. 
It talks about the Audubon Society. This is uh, one of these like uh, green groups. They say, in fact, it's hard to find the Washington-based progressive organization that hasn't been in tumult or uh, isn't currently in tumultuous state here. It even reached the National Audubon Society as political reporter in August of 2021. <laughs> Listen to this. So this, this lefty group, the Audubon Society, right? They had a lefty, but left-leaning, whatever. They had this diversity meeting and they note following a botched diversity meeting, a highly critical employee survey and the resignations of two top diversity and inclusion officials, the 600,000 member National Audubon Society is confronting allegations that it maintains a culture of retaliation, fear and antagonism towards women and people of color. According to interviews with 13 and former current staff members. <laughs> It goes on and on and on. Abortion groups, green groups, environmental groups like the Audubon Society, social justice groups, how they sit in these meetings and they complain about they're not diverse enough. We're not doing enough for this. We're not doing, and they're doing nothing. They are paralyzed with lawsuits, hirings, firings, diversity people leaving. This is going to get worse and it'll stop when shareholders wake up and CEOs wake up and they start to realize that this is suicide. This is suicide. Folks, one of the best people. Today's show newsletter, by the way, is a must, must, must read, please. I am humbly asking you to check it out. There's this article and the next article I'm going to cover in the Wall Street Journal. Listen, it's subscription only. I, I rarely put that in the newsletter. It's Bongino.com slash newsletter if you want to subscribe. It's free, of course. We're not going to spam your inbox. Don't worry about that. Can't say that enough. The next article I'm going to talk about, too, about economics is one of the best I have ever read in a long, long time. It's subscription only in the journal, but it's worth a read. It fits into how I opened up the show. Why I am optimistic on a Friday about the culture. I just explained it. You don't have, we should fight the left and we will. And I'm committed to that. But I'm going to tell you something bold. We almost don't have to. We can speed up the destruction of, uh, of, of, of the far left and, and their destruction of America by fighting back. But I'm telling you for a fact, if you sat back and did nothing, did nothing at all, this movement will implode on itself. There is no way it continues like this. It's totally cannibalistic. They've run out of victims. And now they're eating themselves alive. One quick thing. I know I'm going to, but you see, there's that, that uh, singer Lizzo. Lizzo had a song out where she talked about like spazzing out. Spazzing out. That's like something people yeah. mess around with. Did you see that? She had to take it out of the song because it was ableist. What? Able. I didn't even know what that was. Able. Yeah. Apparently, Joe, the, the, the uh, cancel culture brigade was like, you're making fun of people who are not able or something. Whatever. Don't try, Joe, don't try to understand that it's Friday. Thank you. I need your brain for Monday. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want you like, have a good weekend. You'll be, you're, you'll lose neurons. But th you see what I'm saying? Lizzo, a committed leftist, right? They're going after because they've run out of victims. Because we'd be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're not canceling us for that. All right, moving on. Why I'm optimistic, not just about our cultural future, is the left east itself alive, but our economic future too. First, let me get to the bad news first. Okay, there is, a, there is obviously some bad news, and we can't run away from it because it helps you being prepared. I got a really nice email from Mike the Trucker talking about how my consistent fact-based warnings about where we're going incentivize him to go get some food and some backup water 
The best day of your life is when you throw it out. You don't need your backup food, your backup water. Great. Awesome. Greatest day of your life. God forbid you do need it. Bad news first. The inflation crisis is very real, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not, forget inflation for a minute. And it's not just about the money. The inflation crisis is a problem because it's a resource crisis. If the money you have now doesn't buy you what it bought you just a year ago, then you are running out of resources. That's not hard to understand, right? I mean, if you're a lefty, even you get that. The administration is make, they are doing nothing at all to stop this. They are going to make it worse. They won't even acknowledge the fact that the crisis is acute here. Here's a Kareem Jean-Pierre getting totally wrecked again by Peter Ducey about the White House's statement that, yeah, yeah, inflation's worse, uh, uh, inflation's worse around the world. Like we're doing relatively okay. Ducey's like, really? Because we're actually doing worse than all these countries. So you just made that up. Here, Kareem Jean-Pierre makes Jen Psaki, by the way, look like Robert Frost, the poet. Here, check this out. He says that inflation is worse everywhere, but here, that's not true. The U.S. has worse inflation than Germany, France, Japan, Canada, India, Italy, Saudi Arabia. Well, so why is he saying that? I think we, what we are saying is that... Uh, when you talk about inflation, it is a global thing. And it is not just about the United States. This is something that everyone is feeling because of coming out of once-in-a-lifetime once pandemic, because of the war that Russia has started in Ukraine. Do you understand how dumb of a statement that is? Inflation's a global thing. Of course it's a global thing. Now, for the lefties listening who are not that bright, let me, for, because again, you, you, I have to give you simple analogies for your simple brains. That's like saying like the crime rate in the United States is worse than anywhere else in the world. You asking a question about why it's worse. And then they answer, they go, well, crime's a global thing. Of course it's a global thing. It's worse here. They are such liars. Now I told you, and I don't know, radio show or podcast yesterday. I, I forget. But I, one of the things that bothers me, I'm not, I, have a, I have a thin skin when it comes to conservative or pseudo-conservative critiques of the show. Liberals, I'm, I'm really used to it. Like I got a super thick skin. It still bothers me, but I'm totally used to it. If you ever get in this business, and Guy, you know this better than anyone, right? Joe, am I lying? If you get in this business, the worst critiques you're ever going to get are from the contrarians who claim to be conservatives. They hate everything. Oh, yeah. 100% key said, Joe, no matter what you do, they hate you. You you warn about something, the prediction turns out to be correct, and they're like, that guy's full of crap, man. You're going to hear, it drives me insane. It gets, it really does get under my skin. You can't win. What? You can No, you can't. One of these guys the other day, I produced this, a chart from Zero Hedge about impending layoffs coming in the next few months. It's not even my chart. Peloton and other companies who are the anticipated layoffs, according to this reporting. And I'm like, guys, things are going to get worse. Guys, like, this guy's always talking doom and gloom, man. I'm done. You stay done. That's okay. You stay done. I'm actually quite the optimist as this show has been today, but I'm not an idiot either. You need to be aware of what's going on. The administration, Jean-Pierre, Biden, and the rest are about to make things worse. They're trying to hike taxes and they're trying to increase red tape on companies. Here's what it's leading to. This is a great article in FEE, F-E-E. It's by Brad Palumbo. Again, in the show notes today, it's worth your time. This isn't the one I was actually, there's an even better one I'm talking about, but this is good. 
talking about how the administration is lying to you about the greedflation narrative. The greedflation narrative. In other words, the Biden administration telling people inflation's due to corporate greed. Corporate greed, Joe, just started when Biden got in office. So corporations just got greedy when Biden got in. And that's supposed to be, uh, what, a testament to his leadership skills? Corporations are just so greedy. That's what's leading to the inflation. Brad Palumbo, who writes some pretty good economic pieces, writes this, that this is nonsense. He says, quote, if companies were truly being greedy and just jacking up prices to make money, we'd expect them to be hiking prices for consumers, right, at a rate higher than their own production costs are going up. Pretty simple, right? Yeah. Their costs go up, say, 5%. They're hiking them 10%. Greed. All right, you may have had a point. But Palumbo notes, but the data sets actually reveal the opposite. Consumer prices, what you pay, rose 8.6%, while producer prices, what they're paying to sell you stuff, rose 10.8%, suggesting that, roughly estimating, companies haven't jacked up prices to even fully match the increase in their own costs, let alone to exceed them. Folks, nothing they're telling you is true. That PPI, producer price index, says to me, using the data, it's not alarmist stuff. It's preparedness stuff that the inflation you're experiencing now is going to get worse because the people selling you stuff are paying more than they're charging you, meaning eventually they're going to have to hike prices even more. None of this is hard. None of this is complicated. Now, is there a renaissance coming? The answer is yes. Oh, for, yeah, let me get to the zero hedge piece first. On the preparedness front, let me get the bad news out of the way first because there is a renaissance coming. Again, a warning for the, the guys at the blogs who you know just want to sit there in the blind. Oh, I don't want to be told, but fine, you do it. For the rest of you, please take this to heart. To Mike, the trucker, a good man who listened to me when I warned about a lot of this stuff. Here's another article by Zero Hedge. We are teetering on the edge. Food shortage worries mount as Pennsylvania farms are crushed by record diesel prices. This happened. This farmer who was airing his gripes to a legislative affairs specialist from the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau said, talking about diesel prices, we've reached the point where it's very close to being a sinking ship. We're teetering on the edge right now. No diesel, no tractors, no food. Am I telling you we're all going to starve to death and die? Not even close. Am I telling you that food shortages in specific food categories might be possible, which are going to lead to increases in prices in other categories as people substitute those products, which may create a financial and food crisis? You're damn right. That's what I'm telling you. And if that bothers you and you're one of these haters out there, sorry, buddy. I'm just trying to help you out. I get prepared. I don't speak with a forked tongue. All right, before I get, you know what, let me get to my next sponsor and then I'm going to get to this next article because I do believe a strong, probably one of the most powerful economic renaissances you're going to see in American history is right around the corner. We could seriously be looking at a 10, 15, 20 year economic revolution in America where we look back and this looks like the dark ages. I am not kidding. All right, today's show brought to you by Public SQ. Americans are discovering if we want to change the nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. 
Woke, woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent upon countries that actively work against us. Some of them will hate us. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. I preach this so often. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public SQ, the largest network of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses and consumers our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and businesses that share their values. People have been asking about this with me for a long time. Public SQ. Find these patriotic, America-loving businesses today. You want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms? A coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates? A bank that would never cancel you for your political views? Public SQ. That's your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups so you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. Absolutely free to join. Just download the Public SQ app from the Apple App Store, Google Play, create an account, and begin your search. You can also list your businesses for free so your local community can go and support you. Download the app today, Public SQ, Public, P-U-B-L-I-C-S-Q, Public SQ. Please go today, check them out. People have been asking me about this for a long time. Now it's been delivered. Public SQ. Download the app today. Okay. This is the article I was talking about in the Wall Street Journal by Richard Vigilante. That is one of the best articles I have ever read. It's not overly wonky. It's very simple. Requires maybe a basic level of understanding about economics. I put it in the newsletter. It is subscription only, so I'm going to give it a shot. But it's worth your time. The article addresses something I have preached for so long, you're probably tired of hearing it. The incredible benefits of tax cuts in the economy, of low tax rates, very simply because people will always spend their money better than the government. They care about cost and quality. They earn the money, so they care about the cost of what they're buying. They care about the quality of what they're buying because they're buying the products for themselves or their families. Hat tip Milton Friedman. The government will never, ever spend your money better than you. So every dollar you give away is a dollar spent less efficiently. You give away a lot of money, the economy becomes a lot less efficient. Pretty simple stuff, correct? This piece nails down why the Reagan years were the best economic years we've had in 30, 40 years. He says with the inflation crisis here, it's not just about curbing inflation, raising interest rates. It's about creating, follow me here, it's about creating a demand for money over a demand for assets and stuff. Now, I can prove to you, we've been talking about this forever. Remember the questions a few weeks ago, fellas, someone asked me about like, what would you do in a high inflationary environment? Do you remember me saying assets, assets, assets? Buy assets. Don't hold money because cash money is worth less and less and less and less and less. That's what inflation is. Decreases the value of your money. Do you remember that, Joe? I said, go out and buy assets because they don't, your house doesn't get smaller. Yeah. It doesn't deflate. I remember. You buy a house, you buy a gold bar, it doesn't shrink. It's the same gold bar, assets, assets, assets. But that creates a problem for the economy because people who have dispensable, disposable capital, like me and others, they go out and buy assets and they suck the money out of the economy and put it into stuff. Here, I'm going to read from the piece why that's a problem for inflation. <laughs> He's talking about this piece that was written about uh, the great infl uh, about inflation in the past. They say he noted that throughout the great inflation, people had been rejecting dollars. 
No matter how many of those little scraps of paper government threw at them, people turned them into stuff, assets. What I was telling you to do in an inflation, but go buy stuff. Don't keep money. Well, that's a problem. Private investors, especially, he argued in the paper, experienced inflation as a set of choices. Should I buy a condo or should I put some money into a T-bill? Should I sell some shares of stocks to buy gold coins? Yes, yes, yes. That's what rich people do in an inflationary crisis. They go out and buy stuff. Well, why is that a problem? Well, over a decade, they note in this piece, Americans cumulatively dumped dollars, spent stuff, to acquire some $7 trillion in mostly unproductive stuff, always oddly described as real assets. That was more than double the entire annual stock of goods and services produced in the U.S. back then. This is glorious. If this is too wonky, guys, let me know. But it, rich people don't hold money. They go out and buy gold bars and stick them in their safes which is totally unproductive. What's, what are you going to do? Eat the gold? So this guy Rutledge, who wrote this piece, they note, that when that changes and people demand money instead of stuff because the money can make them more money, all of a sudden the economy and inflation starts to go down. He notes that Rutledge predicted the combination of tighter money and lower tax rates, a paradox that the orthodox would lure much of that $7 trillion in stuff back into the financial markets. With real return on investment rising, people would value stuff less and investable capital more. Households would become massive suppliers of credit to the economy. In a reversal of orthodoxy expectations, interest rates would plunge precisely as the demand for dollars rose. Inflation would decline as the supply of money increased. Let me just very simply say what that means. What it means is when rich people have nowhere to put their money, because tax rates are high and inflation is high and they're losing money holding cash. They buy stuff. And when they suck money out of the economy to buy stuff, Joe, it makes money harder to come by. And if money is harder to come by, the price of money is going to go up. The, inf- the, interest, the uh, interest rates in the economy. You want to lower interest rates? Get a bunch of rich people by lowering the inflation rate, lowering the tax rates to pour their money out of stuff back into the banks where the money supply is flush and the price of money then goes down. More of stuff, more supply, lowers the price, correct? Supply and demand 101. Right. How do you get more of a supply of money? You get a bunch of wealthy people to put their money back in financial institutions, exactly what Ronald Reagan did by cutting the tax rate. Genius piece. We could stop this right now, this inflation crisis, by doing that. Raising the interest rates, massive tax cuts. Biden's doing the opposite, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to get a lot worse. All right, I've got a lot more to get to. I hope I didn't bore you to death with that economic stuff. But that piece is so good. So good. Because it seems so counterfactual. But it worked. It worked. And it'll work again. That's why I'm so passionate about this. So the January 6th debacle hearing is going on. It's just The hearing is just a total mess. It's become just a farce at this point. Um, I'm convinced as a bunch of even very sober, uh, non, you know, very non-political people have said in the news, there have been a few moments, I think, uh, that'll resonate with people on the left. But if you're a leftist, you still hate Trump. If you're a Trump supporter, it's done nothing to dissuade you from supporting Donald Trump. Um, there's been some, you know, stuff that's concerning there that I think we need to get our arms around in the future. 
uh, in the hearing, and we shouldn't be naive to that. We don't want to be like the left, where they always, uh, you know, they're always surprised by us. But other than that, I can tell you with a straight face, the hearing's been largely a bust. I can tell because Joe Biden's approval rating just keeps going down. Matter of fact, one quick thing I noted. I wish I had the poll, but there was a poll that just came out. Who, who what party do you trust more to, you know, defend democracy and keep uh, keep our institutions running? Now, Joe, you would think during this January 6th hearing, primetime coverage and everything, that that would favor the Democrats. Republicans, assault on democracy, right? Yeah. No, the poll actually favors Republicans. Shows you how big of a, big of a bust this thing's been. And here's why. Here's the chairman, Betty Thompson, talking to Michael Luddig, who was, uh, I believe, an attorney involved in this. And they say the quiet part here out loud, that this is basically all about Donald Trump and, and his supporters being us threat to democracy. If you're a threat to democracy, of course, Joe, what do we got to do? We got to keep you from running in a democracy again. Here they are. They admit it right here. Check this out. You've written the clear and present danger to our democracy. Now is that former President Donald Trump and other political allies appear prepared to seize the presidency in 2024 if Mr. Trump or one of his anointed candidates is not elected by the American people. What do you mean by this? Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Gosh, if there was a way to deliver that that slam line, Joe, in in a way to deliver maximum emotional impact. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite way. That's the wrong way to Donald Trump and his supporters. Finally, people forget what's even said in the beginning. They, all they heard was democracy at the end. Now I'm not even worried about letting there's more about Benny Thompson. You see what this is about. This is about keeping the two leading candidates in 2024 off the ballot or doing such character damage to them that they can never get do it, like kneecapping them before they start. Hey, you think it's a mystery? This article surfaced too at Business Insider, Jan, uh, June 15, 2022. Ron DeSantis is a very dangerous individual, folks, because he has already absorbed all the lessons of Trump, but he doesn't have any of the baggage. An expert on fascism, Joe argues, a fascism expert. They <laughs> had to get a, do you see how, this is the, when did you stop beating your wife question? By including a fascism expert in the title, it's implied that Ron DeSantis is a fascist. Him, Trump, this is what they're doing. Ignore it, plow ahead, vote in 2022, get everybody on the record. All right, I got a lot more to get to. Um, I got a, a, just a quick note. I'm, I'm really excited. I know I say it a lot because I really enjoy my show, but the Fox show tomorrow night, Saturday night at nine. I don't want to waste a lot of your time, but please check it out. We put together a really solid lineup. Jesse Waters is going to be on the show for the first time in a while. Oh, Jesse, got to get on the show. I'm doing your show. I got to come back. So Jesse will be on. Dr. Peter McCullough is going to be on about this ridiculous, ridiculous claim, which I'm going to get to in a second right here. That's why I'm teasing this right now, that kids right now should be taking booster shots despite their very low risk of complications from COVID. Dr. McCullough is going to be talking about that. I've got Henner Gracie back with a self-defense segment. You all love that last one. He's coming back to do a demo. Hey, a lot of street crime out there. What do you do if you can't get away? Henner Gracie will be back. 
I've got a crypto panel on, hey, is crypto finished? Or is this just to be, uh, this is the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. An AI panel as well. Don't miss it. It's going to be a loaded show. Check it out tomorrow night. Set your DVR, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Speaking of Dr. McCullough and this new ridiculous push to vaccinate kids who are at extremely low risk from complications from COVID. By the way, many of them who've already had COVID and have some form of natural immunity. This is why, folks, the public health infrastructure has re- completely fallen apart with the terms of, in terms of credibility with the public. They say things without any long-term efficacy. Justin was in here this morning. He's like, listen, I got to, we just got to be, this kind of stuff. Let's just see what happens long-term before we start making these rash recommendations. Not the left. Fauci was up on Capitol Hill again, pushing again for boosters for kids. So Rand Paul asked him a really, really simple question. There's two parts to this. Here's the first part. Rand says, hey, Rand's a doctor himself. He's got a little bit of credibility here, Joe, just a little bit. So Rand says to him, hey, is there any actual data on this? On these five-year-olds getting booster shots? Like, because data would help, right? It's kind of how we do science-y stuff, right? Listen to Dr. Fauci. No, it's not really any data, but we see some other stuff. Here, check this out. Dr. Fauci, the government recommends uh, everybody take a booster over age five. Are you aware of any studies that show reduction in hospitalization or death for children who take a booster? Right now, there's not enough data that has been accumulated, Senator Paul, to indicate that that's the case. The I believe that the recommendation that was made was based on the assumption that if you look at the morbidity and mortality of children within each of the age groups, you know, zero so, to five, five to 11. Right. So, so, that's, so there, there are no studies, and Americans should all know this, there are no studies on children showing a reduction in hospitalization or death with taking a booster. The only studies that were permitted, the only studies that were presented were antibody studies. So they say, if we give you a booster, you make antibodies. So they're assuming things. Did you catch that part? That's the critical part of that clip I wanted you to pay attention to. I should have said it before. Fauci's like, well, we assume these things will work. Did you assume the lockdowns would work as we suffer through massive drug use and suicide rates and mental health problems with kids? Did you assume the vaccine would stop the transmission of COVID variants despite the fact that it didn't produce, stop the uh, replication of the virus in humans, especially the sublineage viruses? Did you assume that too? Did you assume what the r not and the fatality rate were make rash public decisions about ventilators and other things? Do me a favor, Dr. Fauci, please. You are a public figure. You are not someone's personal orthodontist, okay? You are a public figure. You are paid handsomely by the tax dollar, by the taxpayer's money. I am tired of you assuming stuff. And because of your faulty assumptions, causing us, the public, significant health damage, and then turning around later and blaming us like we're the idiots. Please resign. I'm going to leave it there because I get very personally angry at this guy and I'm trying to curtail that. Please resign out of respect to the American people for being on the wrong side of just about every significant COVID issue from masking onward. Please resign. You're assuming with kids. You're just assuming. So you don't actually have any data. I'll ask McCullough about that this weekend. Here's part two of this. Here's the sins of omission. That was a sin of commission. Oh, take it. We don't really have any data. We made some assumptions, though. Here's a sin of omission. 
where Rand Paul points out the fact that upwards of three quarters of kids may have already been exposed to COVID and have natural immunity. You're still going to recommend they jab themselves with this shot, pretending that there's no downside to it? Maybe we should think that through. Here, watch this. If you look at the data from Israel, the boosts, both the third shot boost and the fourth shot boost, was associated with a clear-cut clinical effect, mostly in elderly people, but also as they gathered more data, even in people in the 40s and the 50s. So there is clinical data. But, but not in children. Well, uh, well, see, again, here's you, the thing is you're not willing to be honest with the American people. So, for example, 75 percent of kids have had the disease. Why is the CDC not including this in the data? Sins of omission. The CDC is leaving that out. That some of these kids already have natural immunity. What's the other sin of omission? Fauci's asked the question there. That's part two. It's the same series of questions. I cut out some back talk back and forth. But Fauci is asked by Rand Paul about the boosters for kids. And what's Fauci's answer? Rewind it. You can rewind it, folks. Fauci's answer is about an Israel study about seniors. That's not what Rand Paul asked. Sins of omission. Leave out the data. Leave out the question. Respond to a totally different question. What's the effect on seniors? That's not what he asked. Again, I'll have McCullough on my Fox show tomorrow to address this even further. Folks, do not be pressured into doing any of this stuff. These are your kids. These people are not telling us the truth. They are making omission sins and commission sins. We do not make rash public health decisions. Let the data come out and be guided by the data. Not by Fauci. All right, let me get to my next sponsor. And then uh, the Ministry of Truth is back. It's like, like we says, the Ministry of Truth was never going away because the left is married to censorship. It is all they have. As identity politics causes them to eat each other alive. Oh, Dow's going negative again. Of course. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Now, I told you, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth isn't going anywhere. The Ministry of Truth is now back under some new, what, internet board name with being run by who? The hapless cackler Kamala Harris is now running it. Why is the Ministry of Truth back? The Ministry of Truth is back because the left is in love with censorship. Why? Evergreen theme throughout the show. The left likes, ga likes gaslighting. Gaslighting is their thing. Gaslighting is getting people to believe a lie convincingly. How do you gaslight people? You lie. You lie confidently. You lie often. You isolate people from the truth. That's four things. If you can't isolate people from the truth, they will never believe your lie. Twitter, Facebook, and others have been platforms where conservatives have spoken the truth. Hunter Biden laptop was real. Donald Trump was spied on. 
The left doesn't like that. They are in love with censorship because they are hacks and goons. Okay? So we crushed the Ministry of Truth by exposing them. Now it's time again, folks. I need a favor again. I need you to call your representatives in Congress and your senators today and ask them what they're doing about this new entity, this internet board that Kamala Harris is going to be uh, heading, which, by the way, has national security figures associated with it. It is another ministry of truth designed to censor you. Here, listen to Corrine Jean-Pierre, who has no answer for this when questioned about this, which is kind of her thing. She never has an answer. Check this out. On the online policy task force that the vice president's leading, that's getting kicked off today. Mm-hmm. Um, on a background call last night, we were told that it's going to be different from the disinformation governance board um, in that it's going to focus on illegal conduct online. But the memo creating it was a little bit broader and uh, mentioned, and I'm quoting from the document, uh, quote, online harassment, abuse, and disinformation campaigns targeting women and LGBTQI plus individuals who are public and political figures. Um, Could you clear up the disinformation charge? So I would need to uh, talk to her team. I was not on the background call. uh, So that specific um, uh, language that you're you're providing to me, I would just have to check in with her. I would also encourage you to check check as well with her her team. Um, I can't say more because I, I wasn't on the background call. You really believe that, that the White House press secretary, despite a major new initiative led by the vice president, has no idea what this is? You really believe that? Oh, hell no. Yeah, <laughs> you're damn right. Got a bridge over in Palm City. Sell you on the super cheap. They know what they're doing, folks. These people are never going to stop. The left is the party of book burning. They are the party of censorship. They are the party of internet censorship. They will never stop. Now, I'm going to lay out a list of just quick stories here involving the governor of California, showing you how you, optimistic today, hold your head up high, your chest out. Thank the Lord, I'm not using his name in vain, that you are not them. We respect free speech, even when idiots talk. Why? Because we know their ideas are so dumb that the best way, the best way to disinfect disinformation in the population is to counter it with more speech. The left doesn't feel the same way. They are tyrants and authoritarians. They want to silence you. Here's what I mean. The governor of California, far leftist radical Gavin Newsom, One on his Twitter account yesterday, and I'll show you the tweet in a minute because it's relevant to this whole thing. And he's actively now promoting misinformation that we debunked the other day, that crime in these American cities is a red state problem. Uh, We debunked this the other day. I'll get into that in a second. This is obvious misinformation. It's obvious, right? Where are the fact checkers with their missing context stuff? Nowhere to be found. But... Something happened after this video. Stay tuned. Listen to the video first. I'll tell you what I mean. Hey, everybody. It's Governor Gavin Newsom. And I know we're all on this platform in search for the truth. But the truth is, I've not been able to find a simple explanation for the fact that we have a red state murder problem. Eight of the top 10 states with the highest murder rates happen to be red states. So the question is simple. What are the laws and policies in those states that are leading to such carnage? Well, I can answer that question. The laws and the policies are liberals because those states he's talking about, the high crime rates are in the cities run by the libs. Now, we debunked this talking point the other day, but Newsom kept using the word truth and truth. I'll explain why this fits into the misinformation ministry of truth puzzle in a second. But debunking this again, if you missed the show the other day, here's what Gavin Newsom is referring to. 
how this crime is happening in red states. What Gavin Newsom, of course, leaves out and is missing context, and this is a false talking point, is that every single one of the cities in the top 10 for being the deadliest U.S. cities, everyone is run by a Democrat. St. Louis, Baltimore, Birmingham, Detroit, Dayton, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Kansas City, Memphis, Cleveland, Ohio, all run by not just Democrats, but far left Democrats, blaming the Republican governor of Maryland for the crime problem in Baltimore. Joe lives in Maryland, which is, is so stupid and ridiculous that it's amazing even a moron like Gavin Newsom would put it out there. Now, that video, ironically, even though it is unquestionably misinformation, missing context, was posted on True Social as he advertised on his Twitter account. Gavin Newsom, this is an actual tweet for him. I just joined Trump's True Social. It's not a joke. He's really there. I followed him. I just joined Trump's True Social. That's why he kept saying truth, truth in there. Going to be there calling out Republican lies. This could get interesting. My first post, and that was it. You just saw it, the red state murder problem. Here is why I'm telling you, be proud. I kid you not on a Friday, chest up, chin out. No one day that you're going to go before the pearly gates and the almighty and that you can say you believed in something, even when it cost you politically, that you believed so passionately in liberty and freedom and the God-given right to speak freely, that you even, even promoted on other platforms your opponent's lies so you could call them out. He's on true social. And you know what? As one of the first people on true social, with a large following over there, and I love True Social. I'm at D. Bongino over there. Please follow me. I welcome Gavin Newsom because I'm not a fraud. And I will go to my grave passionately believing that. Thank you for joining. You're welcome there anytime. You're going to lie there. We know it. And I'm going to hammer you just like I'm doing right now. And if we could post this clip on the Clips channel, that would be great because I'm going to post this clip on True Social showing you how real information that I just put forward, all cities run by leftists, combats lies from Gavin Newsom. That's how free speech works, Gab. Kind of weird how you keep pushing people, you and the Democrats, to censor us on your junk platforms like Twitter. Although there's new management coming in. That's why I'm back, by the way. You keep pushing to censor us, and yet we welcome you with open arms. Who's on the right side of history here? We welcome you. I'm so glad you're there. I followed you. You can look, folks. I follow him right there. I want to see what he has to say. The answer to stupid speech and misinformation is more speech, not less. Sane people used to know that. All right, it's time for questions for Dan. Got a good, uh, good sample of questions today. Uh, let's go to question number one. Hey, Dan, Mike0179. These questions came from Locals and Truth. I'm at Bongino on both of those platforms. <laughs> this one was totally out of left field. That's why I picked it. What type of footwear do you use in the Secret Service? You're always in suits, but you need to be able to react and move quickly. I can't imagine a standard pair of wingtips will put you at a tactical advantage when responding to a threat. Thanks. Love your show. Well, Mike, um, you're right. It does put you at a tactical disadvantage. But yes, I did wear a standard pair of wingtips. It's crazy, right? But here's the thing. We all had them. Uh, we'd bring them to like a cobbler or a shoe guy. Because wingtips have leather soles and we would be on marble floors. You ever try to run in a wingtip with a leather sole with dust on it on a marble floor? Right, Joe? You might as well be ice skating. Joe knows that. You might as well be ice skating. So what we would do, you had to be in a dress. I, I'm not telling you it's tactic. It's not my call. I always thought it was dumb. I agree. I think the Secret Service director, who I love, I, I think it would be a bold decision 
to let us do what the Israelis do, which is the Israelis, a lot of time they just wear khakis and boots, which is super smart. We should do that. But, you know, image and all that crap. I don't agree with it. But one of the things we would do is we would cut the bottom of the sole with a shoe guy. You'd put, uh, you know, that rubber thing on the bottom, Joe, and you'd put like taps on there yeah. on the shoe. And it would, listen, it didn't make them like a pair of Converse, but at least if you were on a floor, that rubber would catch the floor. You wouldn't slide all over the place. So good question. No, I, I'm always fascinated by questions about like that. Hey, Dan, Jack Tron, Jack Tron's back. What do you think is the most, who do you think is the most pathetic person in the Biden administration? Man, I don't want to give you one as dopey. All of them. They're all bad. Yes. But I would say it's between Harris and Javier Becerra, otherwise known as Javier Bacaria. Um, Bacaria, because you just, the healthcare system and the COVID crisis are collapsing right now. Uh, really, we've got such significant issues going on with COVID. And if you, do you even, have you heard from Bacaria anywhere? Has any, what, what is he even doing? I mean, this guy's frequently left out because he does nothing. No one's seen him anywhere. And then Harris, just for the obvious reasons, I mean, anything she touches, she just burns to the ground. So I don't know. It's either Bakaria or Harris. I have no idea. Honorable, yeah, yes, good. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's why it's so. That's why I love your question, Jack Trump. But it, he's like honor roll mention to Garland. Garland's probably number one. I mean, Buttigieg, they're so bad. Jump Pierre, Saki. <laughs> it's really hard for us to grade the level of suck because really? they all suck so bad. So, but good question. All right, moving on. Hey, Dan. Bubba Dex, what does your idea of a fair tax look like? I love the actual fair tax, which is a consumption-based tax. Consumption is inherently the destruction of wealth, right? When you consume wealth, you destroy, I don't mean that in a bad way. You buy a hot dog and you eat it. That's consumption. You destroyed your wealth. It's not a bad thing. You need to destroy your wealth to survive. It's called spending money, all right? However, I, I know the fair tax, guys. I love you to death. If In a perfect world, if we had the votes, I would get that passed. The problem is the left always portrays it as a sales tax hike, which it isn't. I would just like to make it super simple uh, at this point. I would love a fair tax. That's my optimum. So period. It's the best system out there. I would accept right now flat taxes across the board. 15% rate for everyone, cap gains, income, corporate, across the board. Imposts, excises, 15% across the board. Everyone across the board. The fair tax is better though, but for another day. So that's what it looks like. Pretty simple, not hard, but that's the beauty of it. It's simple. There's no reason to arbitrage money then, right? Oh, I'm going to stick mine in uh, you know, a future gains to a hedge fund because it doesn't matter. You're going to pay the same rate regardless. So you might as well just pay it as income tax. Xenia, hey Dan, currently I'm renting an apartment. Would it be wise to keep renting or take on a mortgage loan in this economy? Oh. Man, that's a tough question. It's a tough question because mortgage rates are going up now so dramatically. Whereas I would have told you before, assets, 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 buy the asset. You may now lock in at a mortgage at 6 and 7% coming up in the coming weeks and months by the time these rate hikes, and you're going to be paying more in interest. At this point, I'm almost at the point where you may be better off waiting it out, renting, or sadly, even living with, uh, if you're young enough and you're still willing to do it, living with your parents for a while and saving some money, it's a hard call. It really depends on how bad inflation looks the next month. So get back to us next month. I'll have a better answer. Ben Freeman. Hey, Dan, what are some real world things that someone making under 50K a year with no debt can do to come out ahead in a recession? Listen, I love 
gold. I know some people don't. I'm not your financial advisor. I'm just telling you what I do. Again, assets. If you have the money right now, assets matter because assets don't deflate. They don't deflate. You buy a comic book, right? That's going to appreciate in value. It doesn't get smaller with inflation. Matter of fact, the value of it goes up. Assets. Whatever you can get, you think will appreciate and keep the value of your money. That's what you want to do. Like I said, I like, I like gold. I like comic books, baseball cards, things that bring about a sense of nostalgia because I know people will spend money on them and I know they're rare. But that's just what I do. You have to you know, talk to a financial guy, but you know, that's what I do. Kay Flynn, hey Dan, if we do actually have a red wave in November, how do we stop the Great Reset from moving forward? Will it be possible for Republicans to stop this disaster? Um, not by themselves, no. With your pressure on the Republican Party, yes. What can we do? Well, if we win the House and win the Senate, we can have hearings right away. Hearings right away on the Ministry of Truth, hearings on what's happening at the border. There's nothing the left wants less than to be hauled in front of Congress and the cameras every day and have to explain why they've destroyed the border and destroyed the economy. You may say, oh, that's not going to make a difference. Ladies and gentlemen, I, always, I say all the time, Republicans are not going to be the solution to every one of our problems, but the Democrats are the cause. We might as well expose in hearings who the cause is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a step. It's a step. Baby steps, and we'll get there. Robbins Rudy. Hey, Dan, how can you be optimistic about a red tsunami in November when you know the left cheats and has had two years to continue to perfect their cheating skills? Listen, I, I, I appreciate the question. I took it for a reason. Yes, the left cheats. I was told when I ran for office that if you don't win, that, that, that this is what I was told by an elections guy, right, who was pretty experienced. He said roughly a half of 1% of the vote is probably fraud for the left. In other words, you have to win by a half a point or more to win. Because You, you, you get what I'm saying? Because you, they're starting with a 0.5% lead. Some people say it's 1%. Some people say less. Okay, what do you want me to tell you? Don't vote? I don't know what to tell you. We live in a world that sucks. We, we're doing our best to institute voter integrity. We're doing our, we've won elections. Remember, we did really well with Trump in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. We lost a few here and there, but relatively speaking, he didn't get hosed like others did. He had that one bad mid, he had the bad midterm, but the last one wasn't too bad. Florida, we won. You got to vote because they cheat is not an excuse to do nothing. I get it, but you got to vote. I don't know. Oh, here's the most important question. A little lighter note. David Kramer, 225. Hey, Dan, mustard or ketchup on your hot dog? Come on. Is this even a question? Mustard, of course. Is this even real? Adobo and Jane's crazy salt. My favorite salt out there. You ever tried Jane's crazy salt? Nah. You guys don't know what you're missing. Oh, the greatest. I call it wacky. Jane's way. It's called Jane's Crazy Salt. Yeah. I believe they're based here in Florida. If you haven't tried it, you it is a sin. I put a salt on even on hot dogs, <laughs> which are super salty. Mustard. Come on, it's not even a real question. Mustard. Jane's Crazy Salt. Everything. I'll even put it on ice cream if I can. It's that good. All right, that was the last one, right? All right, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Keys taking notes. Thanks for tuning in. Please tune into my radio show later. And again, set your DVR. I got Dr. McCullough coming on this weekend. I had an AI panel. Henner Gracie with self-defense tips. Fox News tomorrow night, unfiltered with me, 9 p.m. I'll see you there tomorrow. See you on Monday. Good day, sir! You just heard Dan Bongino.